What's up, guys? It's Jake. Um, we're here with another episode. I know Clay usually does the intro, but for the sake of the episode, I will be talking to Clay today. Thanks for tuning in. If this is uh, not your first time, welcome back. If it is your first time, wow, you you messed up. <laughs> you messed up bad. But now you're here, so welcome. Um, so the uh, the topic for this series is Sonder. And to put it briefly, Sonder is the realization that everyone's life around you is just as unique as your own. And we thought that was a really interesting topic to explore. And we thought that uh, it'd be appropriate to, you know, start on us. So I'm here with Clay. What's up, Clay? Hello. But you forgot um, the the trademark. The podcast. <laughs> I feel like we have so many trademarks at this point. <laughs> We're not joined today by our would-be sponsor, Raid Shadow Legends. Oh yeah, Raid Shadow Legends <laughs> couldn't make it in today. <laughs> they assured us that our sponsorship is still alive. It's still very real. Also, please don't sue us. We don't claim uh, to know anything. We're not experts. Uh, no, we're right, not. No, we're just two guys with mustaches hanging out. So, Clay, let me ask you. You're a pretty interesting guy. I think uh, oh, thank we've, you. we've known each other for, for quite some time now. We've done a lot together. We've explored a lot of topics, gotten to our feelings a few times. But I don't think I've ever actually taken the time to know Clay. So, briefly, doesn't have to be a sentence, it could be whatever... How would you describe yourself? Wow. Yeah. Nice what a, little. What a question. <laughs> nice little fireside <laughs> chat. All right. Shit, man. There's no. You're not holding any punches, huh? <laughs> Brief. Just, you know, one or two sentences, maybe. Just a guy. I mean, I'm just oh. like everybody else, really. You're not, though. You know, you're unique. You're right. <laughs> it took you an entire episode to miss the point. I'm missing it in the first minute. <laughs> Um, Get it together! I'm trying to hold my hand, dude. Yes, dude. I'm anxious. I'm. <laughs> I would describe myself as an anxious but empathetic person who's easy to talk to and just wants to live the best life possible. How do you think that compares to others? Do you think that you know you're pretty middle of the road, or? I think I'm pretty middle of the road. The more people I meet in life, the more I see how people have trouble connecting. Um, it makes me think that maybe I'm not middle of the road. But I don't believe I'm extra cut from everybody else. I feel like there's a lot of people who have the capacity for empathy. And a lot of people want to understand the world around us. It's just hard to find those people because it's such a taboo topic to discuss. Yeah. And do you think that there's like a commonality between everybody as to why like we sort of all read on the same wavelength? Like why most people would be described as middle of the road, even though that might not be necessarily true? I do. I think that for a lot of peoples around the world, and especially in America and America's history, not standing out was the way to stay safe. I like that. So when you don't stand out, then you're safe. Mm-hmm. And when you do stand out, you make waves, you draw attention to yourself. That's when powerful people and people that don't want to hear that message and don't want the message of unity to get to people, that's when they start raising their voices. And their voices are much louder because usually up until this generation, up until right now, two guys sitting on a couch with a podcast, they were the ones holding the mics. And the rest of us just had to listen. Yeah, dude. I mean, <clears throat> even like 15 years ago, this was probably like sort of unheard of. 
Yeah, I mean, like super niche. Look at the exponential growth of podcasts we've had in the last two years with COVID hitting and nobody really knowing what to do or where to go. The world of you know recording yourself to put yourself out there on the internet just boomed. And don't you think it's crazy, like how many different formats are like? There's so many podcasts with two dudes sitting on a couch and they're talking, but. There's such a broad range of things that you can talk about. It seems almost endless. Yeah, absolutely. On the way over to your house, actually, I listened to a podcast where a bunch of Texas um, rap and hip-hop artists sat at a dinner table while they were eating dinner, and it was like a mix of Gen X all the way down to Gen Z, and they just had an honest conversation, and it was it was a good podcast. So maybe we should start you know, kind of early. That's, that's what you did with me. I think that's a, a pretty good format. Um how would you describe... Um, well, first of all, where are you from, originally? I'm from Hamilton, Texas. The great state of Texas! Can we get a yeehaw? Can we get a- I mean, I could do a yeehaw. I think it's de- I think it's degrading. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I, I think it's fucking Good. I stupid. put you in your fucking place. Yeah, but you think I can't do a yeehaw? You think anybody I, that claims well, to be from Texas can't do a yeehaw? You think I can't bust out one right now? I don't think you can. Yeehaw! I'll probably have to cut that because that no, was super fucking loud. We need that. That was good. I like that energy. So Texas, do you think that geographically being in Texas helped shape who you are? Do you do you think it contributes to your personality at all? I think it does. I wouldn't say that I built my personality around being a Texan because I think that's annoying. It's not a personality trait to be from Texas. But I think the the community that I grew up in, it had a lot of flaws. And for everything it was, there was also a lot of good there. A lot of hardworking, like, blue-collar people that I really took from, like, get the job done, do what needs to be done, yeah. and then discuss things when it's time to discuss things. Um, there was a good mix of people that worked really hard and didn't express any emotion and people that expressed emotion and worked really hard. So I feel like growing up there gave me a good foundation to succeed wherever I choose to go. Do you think that that black and white mentality sort of gave you a sense of open-mindedness or do you think that you also fell into that black and white kind of thinking? I think that the open-mindedness that I found to this day, I had to find for myself. Um, I think there was a lot of really good knowledge where I grew up, but there was far more closed-mindedness there. I I would never. Hindsight's always twenty-twenty, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would never go back. Would would you say it's it's like still like that? I haven't been for probably half a decade. Because you're how old now? Uh, Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. So I mean, I mean, do you think? (laughs) I mean, hopefully within you know twenty-eight years, surely something's changed. I don't think enough has changed. Okay. I drive through there sometimes on the way to see my parents, and it just looks the same. They left. They didn't stay. So if that tells you anything. What do your parents do now? My mother is a teacher. Um, She's in school as well. And then my father is a contractor, like a construction guy. Not really a construction guy. He, He does like woodworking and he builds cabinets yeah so stuck to like that blue collar yeah he's a blue collar worker no i like that that's yeah that's admirable how would you describe um your relationships growing up did you try to surround yourself with uh with good people or did you like getting in trouble and having fun so to speak were you rebellious were you a rebellious kid clay i think we we got to start at the beginning right uh, from an early age, I had not 
form I didn't have a chance to form really bonding relationships when I was young and a lot of the relationships were strained because of other circumstances and I don't think I really started to fully grasp how to interact with other people until I was well into my teenage years maybe 15 16 years old um, I was very rebellious I I felt that I was really smart at school and I was really good at school and I got a lot of praise at school for that and I didn't receive the same praise for that at home so I acted out a lot at home and then I started to act out at school too luckily when I got into high school I I fell in with the right people and they pulled me back from that but there was not no no fault to anybody around me you know they they also had their own lives growing up and as an adult I can look back on that and say yes I don't blame you for that for the things that happened but at the same time it really didn't give me a good foundation do you think if you wouldn't have stayed or found that group of people that um, pulled you back, as you said, do you think you would have kept going down that road? If I didn't find the people that pulled me back into a more open state of mind, I would be dead or in prison. Really? 100%. No questions. Can you maybe Yeah, I, a little I, can, I can elaborate. Let's start at the beginning. Um, I never really knew my mom as a child. I lived with my dad and my stepmom. And we started our lives in the Metroplex area, in DFW area. Sometime, I don't, maybe eight, seven or eight, we moved back to Hamilton because my parents were worried about getting into drugs and stuff in the Metroplex. Um, like being around that or yeah. exposing you to that? Be, them being around that, which I get. Okay. So it wasn't like, a, oh, we need to keep Clay away from this. It was like, this yeah. is just a well, bad part of town kind of thing. Exactly. And I, I, you should know that I also had four step-siblings that really? we lived there's five of us do you have any blood relatives like our uh, I guess like blood siblings like biological I mean, whichever one <laughs> do I have any full siblings no yeah so no full-blooded brothers sisters no I have really four step-siblings on my dad's side and two on my mom so three by on, definition you you are a, a what is it only child I mean I guess by like blood definitions but those are my brothers and sisters you know okay do you, do you still consider them your brothers yeah, and yeah sisters? Absolutely, absolutely you close to them um, some of them, but not all of them. So we moved back to Hamilton around seven or eight, and my parents ended up getting into drugs anyway. The drug issue in a small town is much worse than in the city. There was there was a lot of stuff that you know went on in our house that sh- children had no business being around. When I was about fifteen years old, I told my dad that I was going to move out. I didn't want to be around this anymore. And I asked my best friend at the time if I could stay with him and his dad and his brother. He said yes. I talked to my dad about it. He also said yes. And I moved out. Um, My parents, my dad and my stepmom, ended up going through the rehabilitation process. Both of them. Both of them in their own ways. And they're both clean and sober now. And we have a very good relationship. And I love them. I do. I don't blame them for anything that happened during that time. You know, they had their own lives. And as a as a parent and an adult now, I realize how easy it is to get caught up in your life and your problems. So I moved in with my best friend and his brother and his dad. And they were kind of the people that pulled me into this more um, open-minded thinking process. And I think that's really where I ended up not being a victim of my circumstances. And I pulled through and I, I got out of that bad situation. That's a lot. And this is obviously about you today, but I empathize really heavily with that just because I I went through something like eerily similar. 
So my question to you is, given all those negative influences in your life, I'm not being accusatory, but how long do you think it took you to like, as you said, not be a victim of circumstance, to like take what happened to you and not use that as like a sort of crutch? Like, when do you think that you were able to, you know, break out of your shell and start to realize that your emotions and how you act is very much your responsibility? Because that's hard going through um, your parents doing drugs and all that, having falling out with the ones that you love. That, that can be incredibly difficult. And I'm sure there was. And some people, you know, they fall through the cracks on that type of stuff and they let that define their path. But obviously you didn't. I'm proud of you for that, by the way. Thank you. So. And to answer your question, I would say almost immediately. My best friend's dad, he's, he's a really wise man. Um, some of the best advice I've ever gotten in my life came from him. Um, he really taught me about forgiveness and um, about being responsible for your actions and your emotions and stuff. Yeah, w- w- without putting too much details in there, one of my parents, I, I, helped, I helped them make the decision to go to rehab. I went back. I didn't leave. And how I, old were you? 15. 15 or 16. 15 years old and you're... The one, yeah, egging uh, your parents on going to rehab. You know, when when you grow up in a situation like this, I grew up very fast. I did not have a quote unquote childhood time. I mean, I acted like a child. I did child things, but there was always this under. Whether I was playing with my friends or whether I was at school learning things, there was always this underlying. I have to go home and be an adult. I have to go home and and you know, make sure my brothers and sisters are okay and. I have to do things for myself. So, good and bad, you know. I don't feel like I missed out on anything as a child. I don't feel like I was missing any parts of anything, really, having grown up in that environment. But I I would say almost immediately. Now, maybe there was like a six-month period, but it was within a year that I was able to move past it and put it behind me. And was there any point in your life um, after that where you maybe had sort of a harsh realization that maybe some of that stuff you decided to, like, compartmentalize or yeah, maybe didn't cope with it in the way that you should have. I mean, obviously, when you're younger, it's it's harder to try to understand and work through your emotions because you're just emotional. You're not understanding of why you're emotional, you know what I mean? It's like, you're sad because, like, yeah, fuck, I'm sad. But now, being um, introspective as you are... To answer your question, yeah, there was there was several moments in my early adult life when I realized that maybe I haven't dealt with this. There were several conversations with my parents, my dad, my stepmom, and my biological mom, that you know they had to happen. The conversations had to happen, and so they did. So I just had the conversations. Um, for a while, um, I was referred to as a normal child by my parents, the normal child. And that I really held some resentment for that because all my siblings are normal. And none of us were okay. None of us were healed from that. And it, it really made me angry. And I had a really deep conversation with, with, uh, with one of my parents about it. So, yeah, there, there are some things that come up every once in a while that I'm like, oh, shit. I haven't dealt with that properly. But then I know to put it on my table and deal with it properly. Do you still talk to your parents about some of that stuff? I feel like most of it we talked about. Most of it we've been through. If you could say one thing to your former self, what do you think that would be? I would tell my former self to spend time to realize the consequences of your actions. There's a lot of things in the past that I've done that I can't take back. People that I've hurt, I mean, don't 
don't don't get it twisted. I wasn't this golden person that was like perfectly healed from this trauma. I hurt people because I was hurt. My mom always back to my mom. Back to your mom, <laughs> dude. She's a wealth of knowledge. She's always said, "We hurt. love you, mom. We love you, mom. We love we you, do. mom. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people." So there were people that I heard. There are choices that I made that are, were irreversible and have changed the world for those people. I can't take it back, and I wish I would have been more cognizant of it. And I'm really, I'm like, I'm, I'm very glad that you know that's the narrative, prerogative, something along those lines. Find a synonym, use it. But I'm glad that you didn't let that hurt consume you. Like I'm glad that you learned to a point. Where or maybe you just like realized that um, this wasn't how you wanted to leave because I've I've seen it in action to where people have been in really dark places and when it's so easy to turn your back on someone and not make people's problems your own I have seen you be that sort of light in the darkness for people and it's it's really amazing to just kind of be like a fly on the wall and watch you interact and especially in an environment where it's just one-on-one because you care so i'm glad that you were able to to learn and grow from that because i don't i don't think there's enough people that go through that sort of like enlightenment that you did it's really unfortunate but i'm glad that you were you were strong enough to to be pulled out of that do you have any advice on like how i do i do you you need to recognize your trauma early and often and you need to not delay doing the work, doing the work behind the scenes in your head internally to work through it. You need to understand that if you're hurt, then you're hurt. People just do things. People don't do things to you. They just do things and they affect you. But the way that they affect you and the way that you let them continue to affect your life, that's on you to decide. We can't control our circumstances, only our reactions. So be mindful and be present of what's going on around you and more importantly, what's going on in you. I kind of want to go back and I don't want to, I don't think I'm going to make you uncomfortable. I I just want you to talk about as much as you are comfortable with, but I kind of want to go back to the drug use that you were exposed to and you don't have to go into like a ton of detail if you don't want to, but what was that like? Like, how did that truly impact your inability you know have that that wanderlust i mean negatively if it affected me negatively <laughs> if you want to know the truth guess, it was know, hard I'll just scrape the surface it of that. Yeah. um but it taught me it, it did teach me some valuable things how to stand up for myself there were there were people that would push me around it taught me it taught me how to care for people if you can believe it I remember this specific one time. Um, my dad was cutting my hair in the kitchen, right? We had a door. We had a front door that led into the kitchen, right? So you walk in the front door, you're in the kitchen. So I'm getting a haircut in the kitchen, and the door bursts open, and it's one of my dad's friends. So my dad's friend bursts through the door. He's got multiple stab wounds. In his chest, he is bleeding profusely, right? My dad stops this haircut, puts him on the kitchen table, starts applying pressure and calls 911. There was a lot of moments like that. A lot of moments where people were in dire need or or someone had done something out of character and I mean for all it was they were caring and it taught me, you know, how to take care of people. 
it taught me to stand up for myself. It taught me how to fight. I'm sure. It taught me to be wary of people. You know, maybe it effectively affected me negatively as well. It, it, it left me wary of people that do drugs, which is a bit hypocritical because I also did drugs. You know, there was a stint of me doing drugs. It taught me that that's not the kind of life I want to live. That's not the kind of life I want my kids to be around. That's not the kind of life I want my friends to be around. I don't want anyone to see me like that, you know? And so for a long time, I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. I didn't, not even socially, you know? Because I, I grew up in that kind of environment, and I, I was always afraid that if I have this drink, then that's the environment my kids are going to grow up in. So maybe it did affect me negatively at times. It taught me a lot of lessons, and I'm thankful for those lessons. Especially how to like, stop bleeding. Yeah, that's especially how to apply pressure a on a wound and stop bleeding. That's a good one to know. <laughs> when I was in high school, one of our teachers, dude, she was so old. She had to be like 90 at least. And the first words that ever came out of this sweet old woman's mouth was, she's like, you know what tampons are good for? She's like, plug bullet holes. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> my One of my third grade teachers was a first immigrant German. Wow. Yeah. And Talk it was, about a thick accent. You know what it was? It was fucking scary, is what it was. She was, I actually got really good at math. Just so I yeah, didn't have to be scared of her anymore. Under constant threat of, like, your physical safety, right? Yeah, yeah. When, when you were in school, did they still, like, implement punishments and stuff? Like, physical punishments? Yeah. Did you get spanked um, in school? Sometimes. I never got spanked because, like I said, I was really good at school. I was really good at performing at school because that's what it was. It was an act. I was smart, so I got away with a lot of shit. So me, personally, no. I never did. They were always like, I'm going to call your dad. And I was like, call him. So you do have your, your own child. Yeah, I have multiple children. Your yeah. children. I know for a fact that you've been taught reluctantly a lot about um, tools for your toolbox. And I'm not going to elaborate on that. My God. <laughs> but how would you... I'm going to say go off on a limb and say yes, but do you think that what happened to you in your adolescence has carried over into how you care for your children? No a, lot, ready. A, a lot of things translated as they translated for me for lessons that I learned to pass down to my children, but a lot of those lessons are going to come later on in life when they're grown and they're older. What was your first job? My first job, if you don't count working with my dad on construction sites and like roofing and stuff, because I didn't get paid for that, I was just there. Um, my that, like, does the term involuntary servitude resonate with you at all? No. Uh, it was hanging out with my dad. Really? Yeah. That was, was like that was your bonding time. Yeah, that was my bonding time with my dad. I learned a lot. I could build this house from the ground up, and wow. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I acted like I didn't enjoy it because I didn't want to do that when I grew up. I saw how hard he worked, and I didn't want to work that hard, so I acted like I didn't enjoy it. But I did. It was time of me spending with my dad. So during the summer months, the spring months, and the fall months. Um, we did construction, we did remodeling houses, we did roofing, we did all kinds of odd jobs, building fences, painting fences, uh, random stuff like that. And then during the winter, uh, a really big part of how we would get money was we cut firewood. We go on to people that we knew property and they would let us cut down a bunch of their trees and we would chop a bunch of firewood. And I did that all the time. We would take the firewood and sell it. We made money how we could and I helped where I could. And it was fun. It was me spending time with my dad. 
So did you actually enjoy the work that you did, or was it really just because it was like an excuse to be with your dad? At first, I didn't enjoy it. It was just an excuse to be with my dad. But then as as we kept doing it, and I learned more, and I could do more by myself, I enjoyed it a lot. But my first job, my first paid job, I swept floors in a taxidermy for $5 an hour. And I got that job when I was 13. Wow. And How'd I you manage to get that? Uh, my dad knew the guy. We did work for him. We remodeled for him. He played guitar. He knew that I wanted to learn how to play guitar, but I didn't have any money, and I told him that I didn't have any money. And he was like, well, grab that broom, and I'll pay $5 an hour. And so I swept floors. And eventually, um, I worked up to, I repaired a Chevy Chevelle for him. I sanded, repainted it, worked on the engine. I did that for him. I did landscaping for him. I eventually helped him clear land for a house that he wanted to build and then helped him start building the house. Um, and I eventually learned you know, how to taxidermy. Could you still do some of that stuff? I feel like the taxidermy stuff is kind of a practice trait. If you don't do it, then you forget how. But I know how the process works. You know, If I had all the equipment, I could probably get by doing it. Landscaping and building houses, yes, I can still do that. Sweeping floors, I'm an adult. I hope I can sweep a floor. So going back just a little bit, um, high school for you, um, did you carry on that good work ethic as a student even through high school when you know some of more of your, like, your problematic behavior sort of gave rise? The first two years of high school, I would say no. Um, I've, you know, I started smoking weed and hanging out with the the weed smokers, if you will. You're a really bad person. Really bad person. <laughs> uh, started drinking around that time, smoking cigarettes. Uh, it really gave way to some of my more heavy drug use at the end of my sophomore year. But my work ethic in the classroom prevailed. I still got really good grades. I still did really even well. through all that. Yeah, even with all that going on, I still got really good grades. Did you care? Like, was that? Did, was your focus on school or was all this sort of like a facade? I don't think I really cared. I think it was just easy for me to pick up. I'm a fast learner, apparently. So it was easy for me to pick up on those things. I enjoyed it. It's fun. I enjoy learning. That's just my personality. I like to learn. I like to read. So it was fun for me. And what do they What do they say? Like, do you remember at like some point like the teachers went around and they'd be like, oh, what kind of learner are you? And there was like three or something. Do you remember like visual, hands-on? Oh you, yeah. Do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like visual learning, doing. auditory learning, and hands-on learning. Do you think that that's bullshit? No. Uh, well, yes and no. I think that 75% of learning comes from visual. That's a fact. And hearing is the second most important learning factor. Uh, actually, doing the thing is the least common way of learning something, but it is very important to practice a skill once you've learned it. I always thought that that was like such a weird narrative that schools sort of peddled because it's not like they did anything with it. Like they would always ask students, "What do? You, how do you like to learn?" And then like they, it, it wouldn't go past that. It was yeah, just no, like a, there was, a survey, but for what? There was no effort to personalize the learning experience when when I was in school. Yeah, did you have a like a like a homeroom sort of class where they like they taught you how to like do laundry and cook really basic stuff? So so no taxes. No, but we did have a like home ec class. I can't remember what it was called. And the teacher, Miss Luker, she would probably literally hit me in the head for saying that. <laughs> she was the best. I loved her so much. Um, yeah, I had a few teachers like that. She would probably smack me in the head for not knowing that because that's that's where I started learning how to cook. That's where I learned how to sew. And 
and how to you know take care of things. We actually in class watched Intervention a lot, the TV show. If you remember that show, yeah, yeah, like those really badass dark. kids were. No, it was adults, and they were on drugs, and they would hold the interventions. F- what, what am from, I thinking about? I don't know. Beyond scared straight. That's what I was yeah. thinking about. So we would watch Intervention during class, and it was kind of like a moment for me to I wasn't really paying attention to the show because that's how my life looked at home but I was paying attention to what other people thought of that and I was learning how other people could recognize that situation and how to hide it really I feel like you were kind of learning the wrong things right yeah I definitely wasn't paying attention (laughs) (laughs) we we had a a class like that too and that's I, I learned all the stuff that I just all the aforementioned but is, don't you think it's kind of weird that, like, schools... For some reason, they all had to make budget cuts, like, nationwide. And for some reason, that was, like, one of the classes that needed to be cut. Even though, you know, objectively speaking, I feel like that's probably one of the more important classes. Because they're just, like, basic living skills. To quote my favorite TV show, school is not a place for smart people. If the teacher stands at the front of the class and says 2 plus 2, all the students say 4. You know, it, it's not a place for higher learning. It's yeah. very run-of-the-mill. They are just pumping out fucking sheep at those schools. I was literally just going to say, like, kind of going off on a tangent, do you think that the way school is structured is still very much based around, like, developing, you know, education for people that are, like, don't use teamwork, work by yourself, there's only, like, one right answer to this question kind of thing, and, like, develop, like factory workers and stuff and only like training people on how to listen and not how to actually work as a team problem solve that kind of stuff yeah they're they're training people how to behave they're training people how to behave so that they can go work in a factory or at a walmart or you know in some other service related job so that the elite can still be the elite don't let me get off on this tangent right now i swear <laughs> to god pull me back in or it's gonna be a long episode <laughs> okay so what would you change about schooling i prefer a much more holistic style of schooling there's a lot of schools in other countries that are doing this now and the kids just go and they hang out they play games and they read books and they learn each day they learn something different based on what they want to learn if the teacher doesn't know it then the teacher looks it up because teachers can't be expected to know everything and the state funded and pushed curriculums can't be expected to cover everything these holistic schools are showing tremendous results they don't have homework they don't have textbooks they don't have desks they don't have classrooms it's just a building and a playground where kids go and they learn about different shit and they do different projects and there's like fifth graders that are doing calculus because they only want to learn math all the time and there's like sixth graders that are writing novels because they just care about writing and reading so much. It's it's really brilliant. And those schools are pumping out unique minds that we need for a brighter future. So do you think that school should be used as a sort of a, a baseline for, for kids' more social skills and learning just how to develop as humans? And then um, when they get out into like the workforce, more just like on-the-job training? Because, I mean, I don't feel like it's hard to start up a job and then learn within like the first few months how your job actually works even with a higher form of education because like i i've been to college i've taken classes and done like a lot of mundane uh, homework assignments but even still i don't think any of that translates to like my work yeah you should learn what you are interested in in schools and if more if more attention was giving to the socialization and personal growth of children then the children would be better for it so, Clay, back on topic, why don't you tell me about that last two years of high school? We covered the first two. 
kind of a little troublemaker badass doing your own thing. Still doing good in school, but not really caring. Did any of that at any point change? Did you correct yourself or kind of smack yourself on the face and tell yourself you need to get your shit together? Partly, yes. When I got to junior year, I decided that I was falling too far into a slope that I didn't want to be in. And I didn't really know where to go from there. So what I did is I disenrolled from all the AP classes, all the advanced classes, so that I could focus on myself and not have hard schoolwork. So I could technically, you know, take a step back from school. One of my teachers, though, my chemistry teacher, she noticed and took the liberty of fixing my schedule for me on the first day and put me back into the AP classes, but on an independent study basis. So I was going to the regular classes, but had the AP curriculum. I really fell into my schoolwork. I started with my with my best friend. I started a band. We really? A, yeah, we had a little band going on. What instrument did you play? What instruments do I play? I play bass guitar, regular six-string guitar, piano, and the tuba. I can't imagine that you played the tuba for your band. I did. I was in marching band, really? concert band, and I played the tuba. Wow, did you like those? Yes, I was the only tuba. Did you, too, go every Friday night to watch your team lose? I absolutely did. <laughs> and the funniest story, okay, my best friend that I moved in with, I sometimes refer to him as my brother. So that's who I'm talking about right now. We were in the playoffs, and it was like the third round of playoffs. It's as far as our team ever got in the last, the last decade, right? And they lost, but not by much. They did good, right? They lost. Still a bunch of losers. He cried the entire way home. He was cried. Yeah. He was that. <laughs> and I was such an asshole that I made fun of him for it. Did you do like the on the tuba? Yeah. Like, dude, I don't know what happened. I'm still good at my thing. The one thing that stands out from from band from school band, right? Um, I decided I didn't want to do sports anymore. I was like, fuck these people. I don't want to be around them. I don't like the energy that they're giving out. Way too much testosterone for me, right? Too many egos in sports. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to join band. I went to the band director and I was like, hey, I'm here to join band. What instrument do you need me to play? And he was like, I need you to play tuba, but I need you to play tuba in the next three months. Now, at the time, I didn't realize that I have an affinity for learning instruments. I, I, I learned them quickly. I picked up a tuba. I started playing it. And three months later, I was in the band playing the tuba. And I was not... I did not know everything, right? I knew how to generally play the tuba. We went to marching competitions. We made it to the second stage of the competition. I don't know what it's called, area or district or whatever. But there was one part in this where we're all playing and then we all cut. And then only the brass comes in, right? So the tubas and the trumpets and the... Right. The, yeah, only the brass comes back in. Don't patch I came in half a measure too early. So one tuba in the middle of this marching band plays one note half a measure too early. And it was so fucking embarrassing. And then concert season came around. And by that time, I knew a lot more about playing the tuba. And we went to state. And so we, did your embarrassing um, failure as a tuba player sort of lead into your life of drug addiction? or Like, was that a, like an immediate segue? Honestly, listen, fuck you. <laughs> so it was literally just you. Yeah. Where, what happened to the rest? They didn't have anyone before me. I you were the only fucking tuba yeah, player? I graduated with 43 people. I went to a very How small How big school. was your fucking high school? Very, very small. Your graduating class was 43? 43 people, yeah. Dude, that's like a... That's a fucking shack out in the middle of a field. Yeah, it was. You can go back. You can change some stuff. I don't want to. Become mayor. It's, a, it's above me. I'm not there yet, spiritually. 
Yes, you are so full of shit. I don't want to go back, okay? Then just say that. Don't fucking moral high road me. Just say it sucked ass. You don't want to go it back. sucked, man. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed us being back for one and a half episodes. That's the end of this. Jake's a fucking loser. It says the guy that fucked up the tuba section <laughs> for your class of eight people. So, so you graduated, obviously. Um, I'm glad you didn't drop out. It's like, Ooh, like, me too, buddy. I feel like that was definitely like a distinct possibility for you. So I'm glad you, you know, hundred percent. What'd you graduate with? It's not really mean? important. I just mean like GPA. I don't remember. I was like tenth in my class. That's like literally not an achievement, though. Yeah, I, it, it was very, <laughs> it was very middle of the road. You were top fifty you know? out of the forty-eight that graduated. Yeah. It was, it was very middle of the road. I didn't go to college immediately i wanted to go to audio producing college but i was quickly dissuaded by all the old conservatives around me that that wasn't going to make any money Mm -hmm. and that i needed to get a real man's job i drug my feet applying to colleges just because everybody was telling me you got to apply to colleges and i got really overwhelmed with the whole idea of it and i just didn't want to do it anymore so i never applied to college I take that back. I applied to one college at the behest of my English teacher. I got an exception letter, and I never did anything else with it. Didn't go? No, I showed her the exception letter, and I was like, all right, there. I'm done. Did you end up going to college, though, at some point? I have taken college classes. But never, like, actually attended? But never attended college. Okay. I got you. Do you have a a degree yet? No. How close are you? Not even. Wow. What What is it in? What are you majoring in? Or, like... Psychology. I want. I want to major in psychology. Now that I am a fully grown adult with ambitions, I want to major in psychology. Any particular reason? Do you think that's because of your background, or because of my background? You know, I I want to major in biology, and then get my master in, you know, therapy with a focus on behavioral health and youth. I want to be a youth psychologist. That can help people identify, you know, autism and ADHD and stuff like that early on. Yeah, maybe we can like touch on that for a second, mainly because um, I th- I'm sure you have experience. I know I have experience in this. What are your thoughts on psychology and stuff um, that has to do with mental health, psychiatry, whatever, being like taught? Do you know what I mean? Because a lot of that stuff, like mental health as a whole, isn't like fully understood. That I feel like there's a lot of black and white that's pushed out when mental health is not black and white at all. I feel like it takes a very open-minded and empathetic soul to go into therapy because there is a lot of black and white, like you should do this, you should do this. But a lot of it's not like that. A lot of it is just listening to someone when they need someone to listen to them. Right. But like, what? how do you... What are your thoughts on, like, scholars, per se? Not necessarily... Because, obviously, a lot comes with experience. Like, do, you th- in, in that do kind I of stuff. think that people need to have a degree? Not necessarily, because, I mean, obviously that helps knowing, like, the fundamentals and the history of that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, like, I've, I've spoken to therapists in the past, but I've also spoken to really good friends. And it's not always the dynamic of, like, just talking to a friend, but it's about talking to someone who can connect with the situation more than someone who went to school to sort of like fix you. And I say that with quotations. Is what I'm saying making sense? Yes, but I think you're missing an aspect. I think that it's important to go to these classes and to learn about the clinical side of it. Because let's not 
confuse anything, let's just say this right up front. If you have a mental disorder, it is a disease. There is a chemical imbalance inside of your body. Mm. Now, there are ways to holistically fix that, right? Working out more, eating healthy, all of that boosts chemicals in your body that help you feel better. But some people, especially neurodivergent people with ADHD and, and with autism, they cannot produce enough of those chemicals. And so they need medication. They need psychologists, actual doctorated psychologists that understand the clinical way that the brain works and can pinpoint which chemical is not being produced. That's the importance of you know going to learn about it. Anybody can talk to you about it. And if you don't want to go to school and you still want to help people, you could be a life coach. You can get your associates and you can be a life coach. It's, it's not a licensed medical professional. It's not a psychologist. It's not a therapist. You're just a life coach. You just help people live life. What about the more like, I guess like nuanced sort of topics when it comes to that? So like, yeah, like sure, like things like autism and stuff like, yeah, that is pretty like black and white. Like, you know, there's obvious indicators towards these kind of, th- and I guess you could say that about most things and bear with me for a second while I try to like space this out. But things where like people deal with depression or they deal with anxiety, that kind of stuff, where is it necessarily like you don't always need like the clinical side of it. I guess I'm just saying like I feel like you're going too deep into this, man. Yeah. I feel maybe. like maybe you should talk to your therapist about this. How you don't <laughs> I feel like maybe you should go to your therapist and tell her that you don't respect her profession. No, I just I just don't respect her. It's not oh, even the the you should profession. Go to your therapist. It's 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 just like shopping for a car. Your health and the people that administer health to you is just as personal as buying a car or buying a house. You need to shop for the right person, the right doctor. You can change it. You can just say, hey, this isn't working out. They understand. People say that all the time. And it's not personal. It's not like, hey, you're just not clicking with me. I just need to see someone else. What do you think about people that get into the mental health profession just for the clinical side of it? I think they're really smart. Okay. What do you mean? I guess I'm not trying to get you to like talk shit on psychologists and stuff. It's I'm just, not going to. I, I don't want you to. I've had bad therapists, but they weren't bad therapists. They were just bad for me. They just weren't clicking with me. I've never had. I've never had a therapist push drugs on me. I've, I don't even think that's like a therapist thing, is it? Well, psychologist. It? I've seen psychologists. Uh, I have anxiety and depressive disorder. Mm-hmm. It's a chemical imbalance. There's a chemical imbalance in my brain. I deal with it my way. I've been offered medication. You know, they've told me that that's an option. I told them, no, thank you. And they said, okay, there are other methods to deal with it. Yeah, I guess that was a, kind of a bad segue. I I guess I had a thought formulated, but I didn't really know how to, like, convey that. Yeah. I guess maybe I was just, like... Yeah, dude, you're I was, shit, I was pretty pro- much. I was projecting, I guess. You are projecting. Dude, not entirely. Just I'm so glad we had this conversation. Whether we cut it or leave it in, I'm glad we had this conversation. It's, it's fine, dude. Just leave it. I think you had a bad experience, and you need to get back in the get back in the ring. I'm trying. You should. I should. Just, I actually got a text message about it today. Hell yeah! I think everybody should see a therapist. You should, because I mean, what do you think that you're doing when like like what do you think Clay and I do? Like, what do you think you're doing when you're when you're talking to your friends about your bad day, talking through your fucking emotion? That's therapy, dude. That's therapy. And then you go to a therapist. Guess what? It's therapy with a professional. Yep. It's healthy. It's therapy with someone. I hate that there's such brain. a like negative undertone to mental health and like seeking help. It's like fucking being homeless, dude. You're like, it's oh yeah, better. I have a, I have I a mean, therapist. It is. It's getting better. It is. It's becoming much more commonplace. But I mean, there's been points in time where it's been like, oh, I have a therapist. And people kind of look at you like, oh, you have a, like, you good or watch this. First guy. of all, it's not your fucking business. 
Um, we got we recently got some positive feedback on our latest episode, and it was what that we didn't go on tangents. True, that is true. It's kind of related. Correct yourself. <laughs> All right, so we we got done with you talking about your your high school class of six people. You you asked me you asked me this. Um, I'm I'm gonna re- return the the favor. I think I know the answer, but I just want to hear your response. But have you ever been in love? Yes. What was that like for you? Indescribable. I mean, what what type of love are we talking about? You know, because there are people that are my friends that I love. I would do anything for them. There are people that I love to the point if they told me to jump in front of a bus and just to trust them that I probably would because I know that they have a plan and they've not let me down ever before. And then there are, you know, the romantic interest loves, but I, I think each each person that I've loved through my life has been for a different reason, has taught me a different lesson. And now that I fully understand what that love is an action word and not an emotion, I can love people correctly. It's interesting that you, you label love as, a, as an action, not an emotion. Yeah, it's not an emotion. Your emotions are happiness, sadness, joy, you know, sorrow. Those are emotions. Those are things that you that you feel inside. Love is something you choose. I mean, but like you could you could argue that like being happy about something is an action as well. Yeah, but happiness is an inherent emotion that's inherent to the. But human I feel existence. like love is so guttural. It's so deep that you wouldn't identify that as as emotional. I'm a firm believer that we haven't always had love. Love when is something. When did it not exist? Well, you know, in the <laughs> fucking dark ages when they were just pumping out babies. Well, the know? fucking lights were off. Yeah, the lights were off. Uh, it, it, I, I am a firm believer that true love, truly loving someone, has not existed until very recently in our history. Because to truly love someone, I mean, you wake up every day and you, you look at this person and you say, I love this person. I will do things for this person because I love them. I love this person because of the addition that they bring into my life. You don't think someone in 1280 woke up one morning on a sack of hay and rolled over to their fucking hairy ass wife and was like... God, I love you. No. Really? I think they rolled over to their hairy-ass wife and probably slapped them in the face. <laughs> oh, my God. Jesus. Men are now and have always been trash. Wow, this is the road you're taking. This is... Yeah. Wow, that was... Yeah. Do you want to elaborate on that? Well, sure. Here's the deal. Are <laughs> all the wasps going to sting me? No. But some of them are. And I don't have time to tell the difference between the two. I don't have time to point out and say... That wasp is going to sting me. That wasp is not. No, they're all dangerous. They're just dangerous. And you think that that correlates to men? Yes. I think that men throughout history have had an upper hand over women. And that correlation has driven to a better-than-thou attitude that we are just now seeing in the public eye. But don't you think that men or women, just people, are capable of being shitty? Can you argue that all people are wasps? All people are shitty. But men are particularly shitty to women. Maybe not you or me. Maybe not our friends. Because we choose good people to be around. But undeniably, there are misogynistic men. I know for a fact that there are women that you could demonize just as easily as you're demonizing men right now. There are some evil women, too. Far less than there are evil men. Just look at the history, man. Just look at the history. Are you telling me women weren't allowed to fight in wars? What? what? You're telling me women weren't allowed to own property? Women weren't allowed to vote? Men suppressed that, and men perpetuated that system, and it still it still has effect. There are still men that are raised to view women like that, to view women as housewives and totally rather than people. Maybe we have not encountered it personally, but there are people like that. I've met them. I mean, do we have to go into like 
men's, no. men's statistics on on stuff too. No, men, we're good. We can get back to what we're doing. <laughs> I'm just. This is kind of like. I'm actually really surprised. I'm not like disappointed or anything, but I'm just really surprised. Like this is your. I don't think we've ever had this conversation. Probably not. I just don't. I I don't think women because men men equally. don't men aren't necessarily on the brighter side of everything either because men have higher rates of mental health issues, higher rates of successful suicides, higher rates of homelessness, joblessness. Uh, men are more likely to lose their children in, in court battles. They're more likely to lose half of everything that they own. Women are the ones that initiate divorce most of the time. You don't you don't think that there's that men, I'm not, and I'm not saying that there wasn't a point in time where men were patriarchy, right? But I don't think it's, I think that we've reached a point in time where we can sort of sit in a um, cohesive environment and say that it's not easy for either side of it. And I think that while yes, at one point you may have been correct, but I think that part of the problem is when you place extremes on things like demonizing men saying that men are wasps and you don't know which ones are the good ones because there's men out there that have equally if not worse experiences with women and would probably make the same argument that you just made but in favor of men i don't think so and this is a very simple solution a very simple answer the simplest answer that i can probably give if i raise my voice people listen because i'm angry i don't or because you know what i'm fucking talking about (laughs) i didn't detract from your points don't detract from mine (laughs) If I raise my voice, I'm heard. If a woman raises her voice, she's just being a bitch. I don't necessarily agree with that. That's how it is not about you. It's about society, and that's how society views it. If I raise my voice, if I speak out as a white male, people are going to listen to me. So do you think the solution to that is just demonizing men? No, I'm not demonizing men. I'm saying that men you have did demonize men, men have historically perpetuated a system that is better for them than it is for women. I mean, good on them, I guess. Fuck, they got the upper hand. But at this day and age, it's not about that anymore. True equality means no one is special. Woman, man, nobody's special. Nobody gets different treatment. And that starts with more men saying, yes, there has been a problem in the past. But then taking men that sort of live by that idea and like want to be the change but then are immediately met with that all men are trash all men are evil men have had a good in the past it's always going to be that way don't you think that that takes away from the efforts that the good men are trying to put forward in changing things no i think that the men that get upset about that are internalizing it too much you're making it about yourself too much it's not about me i'm a man too right and i acknowledge that there are shitty men far more shitty men than there are shitty women whether that's because of a population ratio or whatever, but those shitty men are not getting called out by other men. They're getting called out by women. And then that woman is just That's a lot. A There's tons of dudes like you that, that say this stuff all the now time. Now there is. That's a recent development, though. There's far more men that say, uh, she's just having a bad day. She must be on her period. There's far more men that say that. Oh, she's just being emotional. Well, maybe she has a fucking point, and maybe you should listen to her. I feel like maybe some of this is also coming from like a, a personal place too. Yeah. I don't know. Because I mean, the, the initial. I mean, this isn't like a you're right, you're wrong kind no, of thing. I mean, but like, gonna, we're not going to get to that point. No, because like the, like the initial thing, right? You literally, <laughs> you literally Word. said the, the wasp analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that that's fair for for men like yourself that want to make a change. Is. I think it is. You I'm think a big you, man. I'm a big man physically, right? I'm big. Right. I could easily, easily inflict pain 
and or hurt onto a woman. Right. Which means that she will be afraid of me but you don't. just seeing me. But no, you I don't. don't. No, I don't, and I would never. But she doesn't know that so because don't you, she's but... met shitty men that haven't been stopped. <laughs> shitty men that good men have not stood up to. Good men have not looked shitty men in the eyes and said, you are trash. That's a you lie because I know that you've done it. That's I've done why... it. That, it's, I've it's done it. Going... I'm sure you've done it too. But men, right? Men, as a broad spectrum turn, have not. So why would you want to continue a fight that you're not being acknowledged for? For the fight itself, for the principle of the matter. But so then you go back and heard. you use the fucking wasp analogy. Yes, because it's a good analogy. All, all because men a woman, are evil that, sees, when a you're woman clearly... that sees me on the street does not know if I'm evil or not. And if her life is on the line, if she's met men that will kill her, then she doesn't have time to decide whether I'm good or evil. She just knows that I'm dangerous. And it is my duty as a man to prove that I am not. Right. And then you prove that you're not. And then she maintains that mentality that all men are evil, all men are trash. That's Every fine. man on the street is going to beat my ass. That's so fine. what is that? Because at that point, we're friends and I know she's not talking about me. She's talking about men. Overarching. Not me personally. In the same sentence, she could say, you are a good man. Men are trash. And I could say, you are right. I would say that only Sith deal in absolutes. Fucking call me Darth Maul, baby. Wow, that was a fucking... That was a big one. You could probably save that for another episode, honestly. Yeah. Okay, so high school, job, kids. Okay, so you started your career when you were 24. After, you know, 18 years old, for that six-year gap, what was your life like? Transient. I moved around a lot. I went to EMS school. I never did anything with it. But I finished the school. I mean, I have the skills, I guess. I worked in construction. Ironically, something I never wanted to do. I worked part-time at Home Depot for a little while. Yeah, it was just a lot of being a blue-collar worker. I worked in the oil field for a while. At a steel mill for a while. We built metal buildings. It was a lot of work. A lot of working. And I decided that I was tired of working really Steel hard. mills are fucking dangerous. Yeah. How did... <laughs> Why? Jesus Christ. Did you almost die a few times? Maybe I don't really. I wasn't really acknowledging it because I was getting paid a lot of money. So you did the, the steel mill and you did the blue collar thing. So you sort of don't you think it's a little ironic that you sort of like fell into the patterns of your dad, even though you like kind of told yourself that you weren't gonna like your father, like you that you weren't gonna fall into that kind of pattern. Absolutely, I do. I think that once I graduated high school and realized that I had drugged my feet so hard on the college thing, and I really didn't have anything else I knew how to do. But I wanted to make money. So that's just kind of what I knew. So I fell into it. Okay. Why didn't you stick with that? I didn't like it. Genuinely, I didn't like working so hard. And I wanted to do something that required less physical labor and more mental labor. And that's when you sort of went on to psychology. Yeah. But never finished it. Never finished it, no. So Steel Mill, you decided to quit. um, And then you you, you work in your, your current field now. Um, you don't have to really talk about what you do now, but do you enjoy what you do now? To a degree. Now that I have moved up to where I am with what I'm doing now, I find myself being able to make decisions on a level that really are impactful for people at the entry level, which I remember being at still, and I remember how bad it was. So now that I can make those decisions that have an effect on their lives, I enjoy that. I enjoy being able to help those people. And I'm sure that you know, that feels good because that probably plays into that part of you that so desperately wanted to help 
with like the psychology stuff too. Yeah, absolutely. And for a long time, my my mother will always tell me for the rest of my life that I'm a fixer and I try to fix people and I try to fix things and situations. <laughs> I would agree with know? that. Yeah, your mom's and, a smart lady. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> and, and being able to do that in a healthy way is really impactful for me because I have done in the past that in a really unhealthy way. You know? And so what do you think was the the determining factor where you said that you needed to change the way that you played the game? I just got so overwhelmed, right? I was always available for everyone and I was always available for their problems and I was always available to talk and there was never any boundaries with how much I was willing to give of myself to fix other people and it just got to be way too much. I had I had a severe mental breakdown from it all and that was the turning point to where like I can't help everyone and I'm going to kill myself trying to. By the way, you know, serious note because I've been there. Um, I know a lot of guys and girls that have been there too, but seriously, if you know somebody that needs help, like seriously, no shit, 988 is that hotline. Wow, you know it. I do. I was going to Google it I've and say it. it. I've called it. Yes, but seriously, from Let Me Ask You the Podcast, if you are having suicidal problems, make the call. Or if you know somebody, if you're scared for a friend but you don't know how to directly intervene, 988. Make the call. Any time of day, there's somebody on the other end of that line that wants to talk to you. I'm sorry that you were ever in a point in your life where you felt that way, though. Once again, I'm glad that you're able to pull yourself out of that. It takes a very, it takes an indomitable spirit to be able to come back from something so heavy. Yeah, absolutely. So and I, I, I think it's a common problem, unfortunately, that a lot of people struggle with. And it's not, it, it's not a sign of weakness. To, to say that you need help. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay not to be okay. Sometimes sad shit is just sad. Do you think it's kind of cruel in and of itself how being at such a low point in your life makes you a better teacher? That you've had to suffer? I mean, obviously it's, you know, maybe for the greater good, but does it feel worth it sometimes? Absolutely it's worth it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would go back to those lowest points just to learn a new re- lesson. It's admirable. I feel like we've covered a, pretty much your entire life. Up until now, from what I know, you're you're happy, you're doing good, or you're doing better at least. Do you cry? Absolutely, I cry. I mean, if you if if it's sad, let it be sad, and and if you need to cry, let it let yourself cry. It's it's a great physical and emotional release. Is there a song in particular that makes you cry? Oh, buddy, there's lots of songs that make me cry. If you guys want my playlist, uh, hit us up on Facebook, <laughs> and I will send you. A playlist. If you guys want to cry, hit us up. Yeah, it will bring tears. (laughs) Absolutely, it will bring tears. Just text us, we'll make you cry. Yeah, absolutely, I will make you cry for free. So, even after two year, after a two year hiatus, after a very long, well-deserved nap, we actually still have you guys reaching out, which is like fucking beyond me, but apparently some of you still care enough to, you know, ask us questions, which I immensely appreciate at least. Like, the fact that this is still getting love after so long is kind of insane, right? So we actually have a few questions um, submitted by you, the listener. Since this is about you today, Clay, I'm going to ask you some of these questions. Is that okay? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he handed me the phone with the fucking prompts. What is the best book you have read in the past five years, and what did you learn from it? Hands down, The Alchemist. If you have not read The Alchemist, read The Alchemist. 
It's kind of a hard to follow story, but the lessons in it are so invaluable. The lessons I learned from The Alchemist are be present and expect the unexpected and believe you can do whatever you set your mind to. Great book. There is way more messages than that. And if I had read it recently, then I could tell you more lessons that I've learned from it. <laughs> I have several copies of it. In case you lose one? Or- in case I lose one. Or in case wow. I want to give one away. Where's my copy? I'll, I'll send you a copy. <laughs> wow, this is this one stumped me yesterday. It's kind of a, a heavy hitter. Um, what lies or lie do you tell yourself? I suffer from a very serious case of imposter syndrome. Frequently, I tell myself that I do not belong where I'm at, that I am not good enough to be in the position that I am, or much like this podcast when we took a two-year hiatus, that I'm not good enough to do a podcast, or I'm, I'm not smart enough to be doing the thing that I'm doing, or I'm not knowledgeable enough about this subject to be able to teach it back to somebody. Quite often, I struggle with feeling like I am in the wrong place. I know that it's a lie, right? And in hindsight, I can look at it and be like, no, I know what I know. Or, no, I do have this one quality that makes me particularly suited for this thing. But a lot of times I get imposter syndrome and I tell myself I don't belong. You need to cut that shit out. I know. You're capable of anything. I know. The editing you do, especially for the podcast, is kind of phenomenal. The last episode is about 42 minutes long. There was about two hours of recorded material. (laughs) (laughs) Shows you how good we are at this. Um, What's the best advice you've ever received and did you use it? The best advice I ever received, and this is non-ironically, fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. They don't matter. When you're paying too much attention to other people, when you are letting other people get under your skin, fuck them. You're probably doing something right. Focus on yourself. Be internal. The second best piece of advice I ever got, isolation equals elevation. Go internal. Figure out why you are having a problem and fix it. They hate you because they ain't you. Remember that. They hate us because they ain't us. How many how many times has someone says that? Like if you're doing something right when someone doesn't like you for it. Yeah, fuck them. Fuck them. Clay, what's your message to the world? My message to the world is be present. Pay close attention to inside of you as well as outside of you. And be allow, allow yourself the grace to make mistakes. It's okay. You're human. You're going to fuck up sometimes, but you can always come back from that shit. Never give up. All gas, no brakes. Dangerous philosophy. I like it. Dangerous man. Well, this uh, this pretty much wraps up the podcast. We've been talking for a while. I feel like we had a really good intrinsic conversation about Clay's life. I'm certainly glad to have been joined by him and hearing his story. Sonder, it's it's crazy. You, you take one glimpse of someone and you don't pay them any attention, but behind those soulless brown eyes, there's a whole story to be told. We got a lot of stuff up and coming. We're working on logos. We're working on t-shirts. We're, we're trying to get video involved with this. Okay, merch. If you're looking for us, you can find us on Facebook. Let me ask you podcast. Twitter. Let me ask you podcast. You can find our Gmail. Let me ask you podcast at gmail.com. Reach out to us if you have topics, if you have questions, or if there's a particular issue that you want us to delve into with our particular mindset, let us know. We want to hear from you. We are excited to do more episodes. We got a lot of side stories coming up that we're interested in doing. Hope to talk to you soon. Is that your, is that your thing? No, I don't really know what the things. <laughs> Until next time, stay curious. I feel like somebody has that already. They do. I fucking have heard I know that. It. Stay I've curious. Heard it That's stay um, curious. That is somebody's thing. Isn't that fucking brave wilderness? I don't know, man. Dude, what is? What'd you do if half your mustache was shaving off?